all right welcome to to this podcast and my name is joel osoba and uh, the topic before us that i believe the holy ghost will have you here and learn from to encourage you is equipped by god for your environment and um, our case study is the church of Corinth the church of Corinth so so when you read your Bible you have uh, different churches that Paul wrote letters to some of them were churches he founded some of them were churches they were founded by other Gentiles, but they recognized him as the apostles to the Gentiles and he's helping establish them and rise into them. I'm hoping to see them and impart spiritual gifts to them. So each of those letters, Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, were letters written to churches in particular in all those cities. So and today we'll be looking at the church as Corinth and how the Holy Ghost draws insights from that to help us understand that we have been equipped for our environment and that god and at the end of today's lesson what you are going to take away is that god will not place you in an environment he has not equipped you for or that he will not equip you for so i'll go over that again god will not place you in an environment that he has not equipped you for or he will not equip you for so god doesn't leave you to hang dry if he commissioned you he will engineer you to do his will and bring glory to his name so that should make you understand that in whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself you have Evans equipment, Evans backing. And tonight, as we look at, oh, sorry, well, I'm recording this in the night. So, as we look at um, the church at Corinth and God's dealing with them, we begin to see that God is intentional about people and the environment they find themselves. I'll rephrase, even God is intentional about his people, his people, his person. And the environment we find ourselves or such and one find themselves. So I'll begin with a, a just a, a, a brush about Corinth as a city. So from the book of Acts in Acts chapter 18, we see Paul getting to Corinth and then leaving with um, Aquilas and Priscilla because they were they were doing the same trade like his. They were both tent makers, the three of them. So he abode with them and then on the sabbath days he will go into the synagogue to reason with the jew and which is his custom he's always reaching out to the jews first before he now finally goes to the gentiles which was always giving him trouble god sent him to the gentiles but because of his love for the jews he's always endeavoring to reach out to them probably to provoke some of them to jealousy and probably some of them will see the light because he was cooled in the law so Paul will always go to the synagogue and reason with the Jews and then after a while they'll become envious and angry and say he's blasphemous and then cast him out, probably beat him or scatter the old thing and then afterwards he now goes to the Gentiles and those who receive him, they enjoy the word that oh now we are part of the 
heritage of God's people. We are part of the commonwealth of it. So just that way in Acts 18, Paul got to Corinth, settled down with Aquila and Priscilla, went into the synagogue to reason with the Jews, and he did this. And after a while, they were angry and, you know, pushed his, his, him out and his doctrine and, you know, cast him out. What are you talking about? These things are not true. And, you know, they caused trouble, beat the head of the synagogue who actually listened to Paul and believed the message of, of the gospel. So, and then they had a new a new head of synagogue. You had, they had Chris Post first. And then when Chris Post believed Paul uh, and the members of the synagogue, deposed him and got somebody else and beat him and sent him out they put such things as the new head of the synagogue so paul was you know after he couldn't go into the synagogue anymore he moved into the house of justice and a church started there so the gentiles that were that were proselytes that were coming to the synagogue and were trying to be pious and they admired the Jewish religion that heard from Paul in the synagogue and then this they left the synagogue and went to listen to him and said okay tell us more about this thing. so those people got converted and a church started in Corinth now talking about Corinth as a city so Corinth was first a Greek a Greek uh, a Greek city but because Roman the Roman Empire started conquering the world. The the city was was destroyed and then it was scattered and the people there were enslaved and people moved out and just a remnant remained. And after a while, the Romans decided to populate the city and they decided to rebuild it back again and they started off the new population by putting freed slaves, free Jewish slaves in this Corinthian city and then other people began to join to the population and then the nobles the greek nobles that were living there before decided to come back and then so the city came back and it was more like a melting point like a melting point for several kind of beliefs ideologies behaviors you know all kind of things so so corinth was a a hotbed of all kind of things that the world can stand for and they they were they were religious they were immoral they were intellectual they were you know they were all all shades of unnecessary evil to the point that you know at that time at the time that Paul was in Corinth one of the prominent system of worship there was the worship of a goddess called Aphrodite Aphrodite or Aphrodite whatever the name we come is called and she there were about a thousand prostitutes dedicated to our worship so that for you to worship that god you have to have dealings with those prostitutes for your worship to be accepted so you can imagine how fornication was religiously sacred something that is against the law of god is how they believe they are reaching out to their god so it was a very corrupt place and then you had the nobles and all the world so now after this after all this went on, so the, the the whole Corinthian city was full of all kinds of things. So Paul managed by the grace of God to find a crop of believers and then a church began. Now, certainly they were one out of that society. That means that the ones who are living that way also, they also are caught up in that uh, intellectual pride, you know, scoffing at 
at, uh, at any new knowledge they don't understand telling people that what are you talking about you know what, what, what's the meaning of this nonsense please can you just move on we, we are not here to listen to this we already have our philosophies and then they were also one out of those kind of people who believe that fornication was a way to reach out to god and appease him and you know you can imagine that kind of uh, of of deathiness and then we they, they, they were one out of those group of people who are once slaves and now they are free people but they they, they had that memory that trauma that that was in them and that sense of abuse where you are not your own as a human being you are owned by another human being you are bought and sold by another human being so you are not your own. so all of these were mindsets that an average corinthian had and now that is a christian he had to deal with that to be able to express the life of christ now and the people the kind of people that responded to the gospel when paul preached were not necessarily the noble one because we saw from first corinthians from verse 26 chapter 1 verse 26 to 30 paul was saying that you see you're calling brethren not many wise not many noble not many mighty so the people that responded to the gospel were not were not the the cream de la cream so to speak of the society they were people middle class and people were just trying to find something that will change their life so when they heard the message that okay somebody died for me a former slave saying that somebody died for you to bring you back to himself to redeem you so those kind of messages from Paul and God's dealings through Paul resonated with them. And you can imagine those are the people that came to, to, to Paul and to the gospel. And the church began because largely when Paul was addressing the, the Corinthians from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from around verse, uh, verse, verse 16, I believe, he was saying that he said that the Greeks in this city, they are, they are looking for wisdom. That is, they want something intellectually stimulating. And the Jews in this city, because they have a background in spirituality, they had the Torah, the the signs and wonders that Moses wrote in the wilderness. So they, they were look, the Jews were looking for signs. The the Greeks in the city were looking for for intellectual stimulation and you know intellectual stuff. It's about Paul said, I preach Christ as foolishness to the Greek and as a stumbling block to the Jews. And but that foolishness that I present to them. For you people who decided to accept that foolishness, foolishness of God, you became the people who are saved. And so much the more that through wisdom, they could not find God. Such that uh, the foolishness that God presented to them is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. So, this was the situation that the Corinthian church found itself in. So, there were people that by the accepting the faith of the Son of God in the message of Paul, they were dubbed as the people who, who could cope with foolishness. They were not intellectually aware. They, they, were, they were deemed as people who, 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 are, who are, you know, who are dull, who didn't know what they were doing. They weren't wise. They weren't noble. If, if they were noble, if they, if they had things going on for them, they wouldn't be settling for somebody who said they died. Like, what is that? We don't even know it. So, and then, that and then the the jews that settled for for the gospel and accepted it they were like what are you talking about no sign and you go to accept that there's nothing supernatural about it are you serious no if you can't show us a sign we are not going to so and so the christians at that time they didn't have quote and unquote they weren't viewed properly in society now but because god is a god of glory 
You know, the Bible says that the God of glory appeared unto Abraham. So God is a God of glory. There's nothing about God that is dim, that is, no, heaven is glorious. God is the light of it. So the character of God is glorious. The Bible says he is glorious in holiness and fearful in praises. So the entrance of God's word, even as, as, as his word will enter your heart, enter your life, it brings forth light. So everything about God, the Bible says God is light in him, is no darkness at all. And when there is light in the place, the glory of light shines. The Bible says, let your light so shine that men may see your good work and glorify. So God is glorious by nature. Now, so, and since God called these people, certainly he didn't call them to shame. He didn't call them to ridicule. He didn't call them, no, he called them to glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about the fact that God is faithful who has called you unto the fellowship of his son. So, and in that fellowship, there is glory because the son is the express image of his person. So you see that now. So God called those Corinthians unto glory. So now, so having done all that, so the Corinthians were in that kind of mental state and they had to deal with all the kind of things going on in their society. So I'll read part of my notes here. It says that taking an analytical look at the current, at current as a society, at the time of Paul, at the time that Paul founded the church, there and later wrote to admonish her, we will see it was necessary for God to engrace the Corinthian church as he did. So now, as Paul began to write to the to the Corinthians, he, he revealed to us that the Corinthian church was engraced by Jesus Christ and they came behind in no gift. They were enriched in all utterance and in all knowledge. So now, and that was God saying that, okay, I've called you guys and it looks like you people are viewed as the down and out, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to pour grace upon you because you have humbled yourself. You did not em- embrace the intellectualism of the day. Neither do you em- embrace the, the, the superstition of the day. But you embrace my foolishness. You humbled yourself and embrace the foolishness of the cross. Because of that humility, because I give grace to those who humble themselves, I will pour my grace on you. So God intentionally to make sure that these people who have chosen him in this kind of corrupt society will stand out, God poured his grace on them. So much that that grace was evident upon them that they came behind in no gift. They were full of utterance and of knowledge. And it is no news because the, the book where, where Paul talked about the gift of the Spirit, the 12 gift of the Spirit, was in Corinth. Was in the book of First Corinthians chapter 12. So, to, and he wrote that part actually to guide them. So these people were having powerful experiences in the Holy Ghost. They were experiencing the power of God because because the kind of environment they found themselves in warranted that God moved in to help them otherwise he will not be glorified and the message of the cross will be of no effect Paul had to go on later to say same in first Corinthians say the the kingdom of God is not in word but in power first Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20 so you see there that it was about power he said that my words were not with were not enticing words of man's wisdom but in 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 the demonstration of, of the spirit and of power so god moved into the corinthian that based on the environment you find yourself i'm going to give you what it takes to stand in here so and that that is one of the insights you want to keep in your mind to begin with that 
when you find yourself embracing God in a place that is anti-God, God is not going to leave you empty-handed. No, he's not going to leave you out to hang dry. He's going to move into your life by reason of you humbling yourself and choosing him in an anti-God society, in an anti-God office space, in, a, in an anti-God world, in an anti-God social media what happened is that it's going to move into your life and begin to pour grace so that you come behind in nothing and you will demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. So now, so when God moved into the life of the Corinthians, as little as they were and how they were built, God decided to reveal himself to them in four different ways. Five actually, in five different ways. To equip them for the society and the community they found themselves. So when you are locked up in a place or you find yourself in a particular place. And then you have the, 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 the privilege of holding on to God. You have chosen God in that place. God is going to move into your affairs and make sure that he gives you the equipment that will make you show forth his glory. Now, let us look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 26. So we'll begin now into the message. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 26. It says, Therefore you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise. So Paul was saying that when I preached to you and you guys decided to come to Jesus Christ, I look at you guys. Look at yourself. He said, you see your calling. You're calling unto the Son. He said, not many wise after the flesh. So when we look at you in the flesh, you don't look like the wise people. Then, he said, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty. You are not among the, you know, the soldiers and the centurion. You are not among the gladiators of the day or the bodybuilders. He said, or maybe not just physical might, any kind of might. Not many noble. You are not part of the ruling class. None of the, not, not, most of you weren't. You came to Christ as just humble people. He said, but God intentionally came after you. So now, Many times we, we, we wonder if God has a plan for us because of the kind of predicament that we might find ourselves in or the kind of disadvantages or handicap. So probably you look at your background and say, okay, what plan, what can God make of the life of somebody like me? I, I, can God really, can God really use my life? I don't think I qualify. No, God bless people like me just in small things. We don't get to do big things. Like I can't even dream big. There's nothing that can suggest to me that I should dream big. Now, and this is God saying, listen, I came for you for a purpose. And now we are going to see that purpose. He said, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So God came after you because just like we say in Africa, in Nigeria particularly, that God wants to use an egg to break a coconut so that it can put the stone to shame or even the hammer. So you can see, if you have to use an egg to break a coconut, the stone will wonder, that, excuse me, am I lazy? Are you getting what I'm saying? So God came for you that you are delicate, you look like you have handicaps, you look like you don't have the pedigree, you don't have the, the background. God said, I intentionally came for you. And the reason is because I'm going to place my super on your natural I'm going to put my extra on your ordinary because there is a reason that I want to showcase my son in this world. And I want to do him through the despised people. 
and the foolish people. Now, it doesn't mean that you always have to be foolish and despise to pick Christ. But the matter is that in you picking Christ, the world will think you are foolish. So, to the world, both the, both the foolish person and the wise person that pick Christ, they are all in the same category. And to God, yes, we all start at ground zero. Because the Bible says it's the same Lord that is rich unto all that call upon him. God is no respecter of persons. So all of us enter the kingdom at the same level. Whether you are wise or not wise, every child of God start out on ground zero. It is what you do with the word of God that is shared with you, how you pursue God, what you make out of your relationship with God that begins to now show the, the amount of faith that you begin to build, begin to make you more relevant and important in the kingdom of God. The, the growth of your faith is what makes you valuable in the kingdom of God. So, so you say, but God has chosen the foolish things, verse 27, of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Are you seeing that now? He said he chose the weak, just like you pick an egg to crack a coconut. He said he chose the weak things of the world to confound the world. The mighty. So God has a purpose for your life. And that is to show to the anti-God world. Now, it is not you that will show. It is God that will put something on you that will show to the world. So yours is to stand and align with God. Obey every instruction they place in your heart. And then he will come and magnify yourself. It's just like when Elijah. Elijah wasn't the one that brought the fire from heaven. What he did was he positioned the altar. He positioned the sacrifice and then the anti-God Israel at that time was standing by and he said, we will see who is God today. So Elijah just called upon the Lord his God. God came and said, I'm going to demonstrate to these people. So, and that's the same thing with you. So you may be weak and that's how Elijah put the sacrifice. He made sure that the sacrifice was over, over, overpowered, overwhelmed with water. I said, poor water, come on now, poor water. So you, you as the sacrifice in this, in this, in this, in this New Testament, you are weak. You don't look like something that can carry fire. You are wet. You are, you know, you are damp. It looks like you can't burn. It looks like you don't have the spark. God is now saying, listen, it is that one that I'm going to put. So that's the African in me anyway. So that I'm going to put my fire on so that, so that when the fire comes and leaks up the wood and the stone and the water, people will know that this fire it is not a spark of the stone. It is not something Elijah walked up. It is a fire from heaven because that is the only fire that is consuming. Consuming means it finished everything on ground and made everybody around both the prophets of Baal and the unbelieving Israelites to know that God is God and we are meant to serve him. So, and so in your weakness, that is what attracts God. That is what God comes for. God comes on the weak vessel. And so even if Paul said that if any man think is wise, he said, let him make himself foolish. If he thinks he's wise in this way, he said, let him make himself foolish that Christ might be revealed through his life. He said, don't, don't come here with, you know, with, with, with what you think you have. No, you come here home. We say, God, I am here. I am nothing. Without you, I am nothing. My degree or my lack of it, my exposure or my lack of it, everything I bring here and I say, down at your feet, I cast my crown before you. Do with me what you want. Start with me where you want to start. And that is how glory is going to come. And I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to be relevant, you know. In the book of Isaiah, I think, chapter 6, it says that you will be a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So what that means is that when you are not in the hand of your God, you are not a royal diadem, you could as well just be a, a, a stick on the floor. You could as well just be a, a metal rod 
But when you are in the hand of your God, you become a scepter of authority. So your position actually de- 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 you know, determines your value. Your association with God determines your value. Jesus said, for without me, ye can do what? Nothing. So now we go on. So he said, verse 20, he said, and base sins of the world and things which are despised had God chosen. Yeah, the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. He said that no flesh should glory. So God took the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. He said that no flesh should glory in his presence. So God said that, listen, Corinthians, you are found in this melting pot where everybody feels they know what they are doing. Everybody has a way to God. Everybody is independent. You see that they are noble or they are. But you guys are found in this place and you have chosen me. I am anti your community. I am not born out of, of your community. I am not part of the thing that is celebrated in your community. I came introduced by one of my servants to you. And then uh, you chose me and you decided to stick with me. You, be, you people became the odd one out in this community. Now listen. I came for you guys for a reason. So now. So. Going back to the object of this discourse is that when you find yourself in an environment, be very sure that the eyes of the Lord is upon you. All you need to do is to make your heart perfect towards him. Are you seeing that now? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro upon the surface of the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. So in, when you find yourself in a place that is anti your faith, that is one. And you find yourself in a place that is look like everything around you is towering down on you, and it looks like it's overwhelming, and you are just like a, a needle in a haystack. That it looks like you can't make any difference. It looks like the the voices around you are almost drowning your voice. That you can't even find yourself. It looks like you are non-existent. You are not relevant. It looks like you you, you seem to be a new sound to civilization. God is saying, listen, I have a plan. I am about to show civilization that you are not a nuisance to civilization, but you are the revealer of my glory. You are the fruit-bearing part of the vine. You are my branch. The fruit stays on you. The fruit may not stay on the stem, but it stays on you. So I'm going to decorate you with the flowers and the fruit. So calm down. I'm about to show something through your life. In this place. So that is God's word to you. And this also speaks to the church body at large. You know, in recent times, the church, the mortal church on the earth, has been found in a situation like the Corinthians also. We've been found in a place where with different happenings around the world, people speak against the church, people blaspheme the church, people people treat us as the dirt of the world, people think that we are overbearing, they think they, they, they think all kind of things against the church. People are quick to go after pastors. People are quick to say we are not tolerant. We should not shove our religion down the app. Why, why, why all we are trying to do is to implore them and beg them to say, listen, there is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. There is life in Christ Jesus. God has reconciled you to himself. Come and be in tune with your maker. Eternal life is available. You can now call God Father. The middle wall of partition is broken. And this is what we are trying to do. But they have seen us as the evil. And the reason because the God of this world is moving over people. So you see that there are several religions that are gaining ground and are now coming into the broader light. And then like they are, they are pushing 
the barrier they are they are trying to force themselves over the lives of you know you go on social media now, spiritists are there sciences are there christian science and all kind of diabolical people are, pro, are projecting them people that in 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 past life in past centuries will not even come to to lie to declare that this is what we are doing now they are everywhere advertising jazz and all kind of witchcraft on social media like and you are wondering like are we are we back to the stone ages are we back to the barbaric world but what is happening is because there is a fight by hell trying to push back but the bible says that i will build my church but the and the gate of hell will no more prevail so while we it looks like we've been found in an unfavorable anti-god society in an anti-god world god is bringing a word to word in this time that listen guys don't bow your head don't let these horns that are causing you to be weary to cause you not to lift your head rather come lift up your heads O ye gates and be lifted up let the king of glory come in let me enter into you because i have prepared you for my glory i have ordained something for my glory through your life and that is what god is saying right now so so and that's on a large scale then now we now bring it back to the small scale and narrow it down to the individual that is on the church at now let us bring it to the individuals so when you find yourself in an environment that is anti your faith anti god anti your your pedigree anti making you feel little god is saying it is intentional i came for you intentionally because i want to demonstrate something through you there is a purpose to your littleness there's a purpose to your lack of nobility there's a purpose to your lack of might I have chosen you to confound the wise. Keep that thought. Now, so in verse 30, God now reveals that I've brought you out as little, but let me show you my strategy. Let me show to you that what the world thinks it has, I have more. You came in as foolish, but when you enter, I will now show you that there is treasure in this kingdom that the world did not know about. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For had they known, they would not have what crucified the Lord of glory. So the wisdom that is in the kingdom that are prepared and reserved for you to dignify you and glorify you in this world, that wisdom is hidden from the world. But you enter into that wisdom by first being a fool and accepting the message of the cross now that you have accepted the message of the cross declaring that my son died for you and he rose again for your justification accepting quote unquote that foolishness and putting your faith in it and then you are saved now that you are in i will show you the secret that there is treasure in my kingdom i did not just call you as foolish and now leave you as weak that you go through life beggarly thinking that well as christians we are poor we can't really amount to much. We brought nothing in this world. We will take nothing back. Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow. You know, we... No, God is saying, listen. I brought you in for a purpose. My son, his acquaintance with sorrow is that he might rise up, accept a corn of wheat, fall to the ground and die. He said what? He said, it abided to the But when he dies... 
it brings forth more. So when he was acquainted with sorrow, so that with his stripes, you people can be healed. He said, though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty can become rich. Are you seeing that now? That through his death, burial, and resurrection, the life of God might be made available. So you, you understand exactly what you're saying. When you say Jesus Christ is a man acquainted with sorrow, what was the purpose of that sorrow? Because the destiny of Jesus was so that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Because them that he did for no, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his dear son. So everything worked out for Jesus' good. And therefore, anyone who chooses God like Jesus did, because Jesus chose God in the garden, that not my will, but your will. He chose the Father that way. Can you see that? So when he said that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, to those who choose God, I have not seen neither ears, neither has it entered into the heart of man, what God has prepared for them that chose him. Jesus chose God in the garden of Gethsemane and said, not my will, Father, but your will. He was acquainted with grief and sorrow. Why? Because on the third day, he was risen up into glory. He died a mortal man. He rose up into glory, a man that could walk through all. So, you must understand Jesus in full. Understand him. Don't take a part of Jesus and leave the other part. No. Jesus said, he said, this you ought to do and not leave the other undone. In the realms of the spirit, everything is parity. And I will show you that in in. James said that it is the same person that you that told you not to lie. It's the same person that told you not to kill. So you can't say, okay, now I have chosen not to lie, but I can kill. No, any part of the commandment that you flout, you are sinning against the same person. Jesus said that this you ought to, ought to have done and not leave the other undone. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said that, take unto you the whole armor. He did not say the essential armor. So in the realm of the spirit, everything is what? Priority. When Paul was talking to Timothy, he said, he said, pay attention to all this. He said, let none of it slip from you. Everything is priority. So, God, so Jesus Christ was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow so that he can manifest the glory of God. And that is what you did when you accepted him and you, and you partook of his fellowship and you became the offscoring of the world and it looks like, and when the world is persecuting you, that is you being acquainted with grief and sorrow because the world is never going to stop persecuting Christians. Jesus told us by himself, he said, you will have all of the good things in me, he said, plus persecution. So persecution is part of the game. So that is the cross that you are embracing. When the world is persecuting, he said, rejoice because it is only what does not look like the world that the world persecutes. So if the world is persecuting you, it shows that you are not on the same lane with them. So it is a good sign. When you become somebody that the world is not persecuted, where people are not, where the world is not thinking that you are jeopardizing what, what their agenda on the surface of the earth. When Satan is not threatened by your life, listen, you're in a bad place. You're in a bad place. Because the sign that you're on track is that you are in a place on the target of the enemy and yet you're a moving target that can never be met. It will never be able to hurt you. But yet, you may be buffeted, you know, you may be persecuted. And this shows you're on the right track. So, Jesus is now, God is now telling us through Paul here that, that I chose you for a purpose. You are chosen in weakness for a purpose because I'm going to now show you that in the kingdom, I have ordained a group of stuff for you, for your glory. Now, the characteristic of the society of Corinth is revealed when you read through 
how Corinth was in the day of Paul, as we have explained earlier, is revealed in the kind of gifts and graces that God poured upon the Corinthians. Now, let's look at verse 13. So, we have been reading, it says, you are the, 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 the things, the despised things of this world God has chosen here, things which are not to bring to naught things that are. It said that no flesh should glory in his presence. It said, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom. So, you see that now. God said, now, guys, you have come into the kingdom. You have embraced the foolishness. Let, let me show you where it says that. Let's back up a little so that you have a background to what I've been saying. It says that, verse, 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 from verse 20. It says, where is the wise? From verse 18, it says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You see that now. It says, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. It says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? He said, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So, people who accepted the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel came into the kingdom. He said, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. He said, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks what? Foolishness. But unto them which are called, that is you and I, he said, Both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is what? Stronger than men. So God is saying, You guys embrace what seemed foolish to the world. That a man came to the world, lived for 33 and a half years. Then he went to the cross, he died. Then Israel, even his brothers, are not believing in him. Then you are exposing him to us and saying that, yes, that is the savior of the world. You were foolish enough to believe that. Now listen, even though they deem you foolish, Christ that you accepted, I will now open him up to you as wisdom. So now, in Corinth, intellectualism was the order of the day. So God is saying, you have accepted my foolishness in the eyes of the world. I will now give you a superior wisdom that will counter and bring to naught that intellectualism and that wisdom of the world. So God doesn't bring us into the kingdom and make us mediocre. No, he gives us a competitive advantage. By Christ. Now, what is Christ? That word Christ is not the surname of Jesus. When you say Jesus Christ, that's not the surname. Christ means the anointed one and is anointed. So, God is saying, by the working of the anointing on the inside of you, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 21, it says that you have the anointing from the Holy One, and that anointing abides in you. Every child of God has the anointing. It is not the ex exclusive reserve of the clergy. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So God is saying that now that you have come into the kingdom, the anointing that I placed on you when you accepted my son. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible says that Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes you. The anointing came upon you when you believed. You didn't need to feel it. When the Holy Ghost came to make his abode in your heart, Jesus said that he's going to abide with you forever. He's going to live in you. Your body is the temple of the Spirit of God. He's dwelling in your spirit, man. God has sent forth the Spirit of his son into your heart. In Galatians chapter 4, so, verse 6, so, with the Holy Ghost living in you, the anointing is made readily available to you. You say, that anointing will produce in you a wisdom 
that will equip you for this society and community you found yourself. Such that by this wisdom, you will bring to know the wisdom of the world. That I will begin to walk through you that when they think that you are foolish, by the time you manifest my wisdom, they are going to say that in Christ, there is a wisdom that confounds and rubbishes the wisdom of the world. Are you seeing what we are talking about now? So God did not call you to mediocrity and he did not call you to, 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 to just be, to be a non-entity and a nuisance to civilization. No, he called you to equip you perfectly for your environment. So for example, if you're a Christian, you are found in the IT world, you are found in the, in the product design industry, you are found in the fashion industry, you are found in the movie industry, you are found in journalism, you are found in, you know, whatever in the army, you are found in the music industry, whatever where you find yourself. There's a wisdom of the world at work in that industry because it is a system of the world. God did not take us out of the world. He said, I'm sending you as ships into the midst of wolves. He said, be wise as what? Serpent and be what? Harmless, unprovoking as doves. So he said, I'm not taking you out of the world. I'm not taking you out of the world. You are going there to show forth my glory, to show and demonstrate a higher wisdom that you have received from me so that you can confound their wisdom. And then just like Psalm chapter 40, he said, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise unto my God. He said, many will see and fear and put their trust in God. So you are my advert agency. I called you as weak so that when they check you out, they say, ah. So for example, look at in the life of Peter and, and John. When, they, when, they, when Peter and John healed the man at the beautiful, beautiful gate of the temple, and then they were, they were rounded up, and then before the before the Pharisees and the Sanhedrins and the religious leader of the day, when they examined them, they, they found out that these guys are unlearned. Fisherman, Peter was a fisherman. They said, these guys are unlearned. They said, but they perceived that they had been with who? Jesus. So when they look at you, they say, ah, this person doesn't, have, doesn't look like they have what it takes. But yet they are manifesting what it takes to command results in the society. Because when you hear a layman, and you, you, you achieve supernatural results by the wisdom of God, and the environment is responding to you and say, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? So, you are in the industry, and you are the only one that you found a way to find funding without having to, you know, to borrow from the bank and go into debt or, or go and walk through one baba or, go, you know, or, or be subservient to the, to the Lord's and the and the and the and the, you know and the godfathers of the place you went into the industry by the anointing of the spirit you found funding you created your own movie and then you placed it on on on, on platforms that you didn't even have to go and you know go and lobby anywhere they begin to wonder who helped you where did it come from? How are you getting this? And the old world say, please, show us this new technique. How can we boycott the mainstream? How can we go past the Godfather so that we too can break into limelight? So, it is the wisdom of God. So, Peter and John demonstrated this wisdom. They were, they were fishermen. But when they observed them, they said, these guys are unlearned. They said, but what? They have been with Jesus, the Christ. His wisdom is being manifested through them. So, even though God called those young men as fishermen, He didn't leave them as fishermen. He made them fishers of men. He gave them a superior wisdom that in one sermon, Peter won 3,000 people. In another sermon, 
Another 5,000 was added. The shadow was healing the sick. Are you getting what I'm saying now? The same thing. Paul was an intellectual. So, this thing is, it, it comes across board. It's not just foolish people are the only people that accept Jesus. No. Paul was a doctor of the law. He was a lawyer. He understood the law. He was learned. But then, when he came into the kingdom in Philippians chapter 3, he said, everything I thought was, 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 was high and, and glamorous. He said, I found that they are worthless compared to the knowledge of Christ. You can read it in Philippians chapter 3. So, and that is the entry point. Whether you came in noble or whether you came in, whether you came in as a, as, 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 quote unquote, as somebody at the lower end or, or lower rung of the ladder. The matter is that when you come in, there's a wisdom that is presented to you that is meant for your enthronement. So, God equips you for the environment he places you in. Now, let's continue. Verse 36, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us with wisdom, and then what? Righteousness. And then what? Sanctification. And then what? Redemption. So, now, God is saying that I gave you five things. First, the first thing is what? The power. Christ became their power. So, even though the Jews of that, those days might have been involved in some form of occultism and the, and the, and, you know, and the cult of Solomon and, and, the, day, and the cult of, uh, of the star of David and all kind of Jewish occultism that could have existed in that day. God is saying, I am giving you the anointing and it's going to be your power to walk signs and wonders. So you, you are in an industry and it looks like everybody around that, you know, they are cutting soap for one another. They are using soap to bath. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I am the anointing. I'm the soap above all soap. I wash you clean and give you a fragrance that brings favor to you left, right, and center. Even your enemies cannot fight with you. So, power. Then the next thing God gave them in response to their society. So, this is God equipping them. Look at it. Let's look at verse, verse, mm, verse, verse, verse 22. It said, for, okay, verse 18, it said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It said, but unto us which are saved, it is the word, the power of God. Then in verse 24, it says, But unto them which are called, both Jews, it says, both Jews and Greeks, it says, Christ, the power of God and the word, wisdom of God. So, because of the kind of society they found themselves, God said, I'm going to pour grace upon you and you are going to have power. I'm going to give you the anointing, reveal myself to you as the anointing, as power. So, God said, I'm not going to leave you orphans, I will come to you. By the Holy Ghost, in the form of the anointing. The anointed one is anointed. The Holy Ghost is the custodian of the anointing. So, I will pour out my power on you. That is one. Two, he said, wisdom. So, intellectualism of the day. I'm going to give you a superior wisdom that is going to nullify the wisdom of the day. You'll be walking signs and wonders, walking miracles in different areas of life. You will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. You will pray through situations and then places that the doors have been locked will open by an act of divine intervention and it will be nothing short of a miracle. 
you work miracles in these industries and in the places you find yourself. Whether you are in, in the fivefold ministry or you are in the marketplace, you will work miracles. I will give you wisdom. Whether you are in the industry, in the ministry rather, or in the on or in the marketplace, I will show my and demonstrate my wisdom through you. Now, then it goes on. It said, Christ is made unto you righteousness. Now, so as we have explained before. There were several religions in that city of Corinth. So, God said, I will reveal the anointing to you as your righteousness. Are you seeing that now? I'm going to show you that I am the only way to God. So that when the other people in your environment are claiming and saying, what are you people doing? There's no other way to God than for you to come and sleep with the prostitute of Aphrodite and then, and, and, and then come and worship in a temple. He said, I will reveal myself to you and through you as people who are in right standing with me. You will have confidence to stand before me and you will manifest my, my nature and my finished work in destruction of sin on the surface of the earth. That a man can live above the works of the devil, above sin. I will show myself as righteousness through you, the destruction of the works of the enemy, the crucifixion of the old man on the cross. I'm going to reveal it through you. That when everybody's running around town and, and they are misbehaving and your neighbors are carrying hoes and they are cheating and they are killing themselves and they are going to the to the to the amphitheater and watching and watching gladiators kill themselves and they are laughing at carnage. I'm going to show that a person can live in this kind of barbaric society and will not enjoy anything sinful because I will reveal myself to you as your righteousness and you will walk in that. So God was equipping them for the society in which they found themselves in. It made them, then the next thing is that Christ is your word, sanctification. So sanctification and righteousness are closely knit. They are very, they are, they are, they are a twin that, that should not be separated. They should not be separated or else there's going to be an error. So if, if you separate sanctification from righteousness in the life of a child of God, you are going to create an imbalance, a, a misnomer. You are going to create a, something that is not the finished work of Christ. Believe me, sanctification and righteousness must always go hand in hand. So, Christ is your sanctification. And what's a sanctification? Sanctification is the apparent call out of the child of God from the world. It is separate. Sanctified. To sanctify something means that you separate it for the use of something and dedicate it to that. So, Christ is revealed to them as their sanctification. God is saying that, I called you out of this barbaric, sinful society and culture unto myself you are holy unto me i place my mark on you you reveal my righteousness jesus said that when he's come he will he will he will he will convict the world of righteousness that is talking about the holy ghost so you reveal my righteousness and therefore because i've sanctified you i've separated that's the meaning of that was sanctification to separate to call you out so for example you go into a room and you call out Three people out of ten, you have sanctified them to yourself. Are you seeing that now? 
So, and it doesn't even mean that those people are better. They were certainly all of them were in the same room. They shared the same background. They shared, they had the same demographic, the same everything. But you call them out. And then when you call them out, you set them apart. And then you now made them your righteousness so that they can reveal your glory. So, by the time the people from among whom you call them out begin to now see them, say, these people are called out from among us, but they are beginning to act different, speak different. This my neighbor has changed. He doesn't have anger fits eh, eh, like he used to have. He doesn't shout on his children like he used to do. He doesn't beat, beat his dog like he used to do. This guy is now calmer now. I see him helping his wife. I see him, you know. So, he's wondering that this guy is sanctified. He's actually been called out of this society and it looks like he's living in another world different from this particular society we find out. Every one of us cuss people out. Every one of us slap our dogs. Every one of us misbehave and go out running around town. But this guy has been called out. He's sanctified. He's expressing the finished work that so there's somebody in this society that can live above sin, that can live above the, 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 the works of the enemy. Wow. This is possible. So God is now bringing to naught the ideology of the people around that this is how life is. But through your life, through the life of the Corinthian church, God is saying that I'm going to show that there's a different way of living. That these people may, may come to see that, wow, I want what you have. I'm going to bring to naught. I'm going to rubbish the system of thinking of You see, sometimes in the world people say, ah, no, you can't make it in this Nigeria or you can't make it in this country without being corrupt. So, God says that I'm going to equip you for Nigeria. I'm going to grace you with the anointing such that if there are pardon invoices in your, in, your, in your office to move ahead, I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to reveal myself through you as righteousness and as sanctification. You never part bill and yet you're always moving forward, making yourself, getting the biggest client, and if they gang up against you too much, I will take you out of that office and put you in another place. And when they are looking at you, they say, man, this guy, he has left us behind. And where he is now, he's in a glorious place. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So that is what God wants to do through our life. And that is what he did for the Corinthian people. So, and this is showing us that God will respond to the challenges your surroundings and environment and the civilization around you is posting at you. God is never going to leave you without equipment. He has equipped you or he will equip you for the society that is placing you in. If God is saying that I want you to leave the shores of the nation that you are and I want you to go somewhere else, if that is God's will for you, regardless of what is going on there, regardless of the glass sailing that people of color or or, or minorities are, are facing in that country or immigrants are facing in that country, you are going to shatter that glass in it because God is going to equip you for the environment he has placed you in. Are you getting what we are saying now? Then, it says that Christ is your redemption. Now, we have established before that this population of people in Corinth, they are they are quite, they, they were slaves. So they understood the concept of being owned by somebody. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So they've been bought, they've been sold, they've worked without wages, they've been molested, traumatized as slaves. So now, when some of them accepted Christ, Christ, God is now saying, I'm revealing myself to you through the anointing that I'm your redemption. I have now bought you. Now, there was one of the major thinking patterns of the people in Corinth at that time. One of the philosophies they held on to was that 
What's that? So, what's that? One of the things that they had on the water, the flesh, the body was naturally evil and there is nothing you can do on it. Are you getting what we are saying? That there is nothing you can do with the flesh. It is evil. So, therefore, they leave their body to run amok and do whatever. So, they, if they kill somebody, if they sleep with 10,000, if they sleep with somebody else who have the fear that it's just nature. If they feel that, oh, I'm an homosexual, it's just nature. Like, I'm just, I just have to, to follow my feelings. No. So, and God said, I've now bought you back. Your body is not your own. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 to 17, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, it says, your body is a temple of the living God. So, if you defile that body, you are defiling it. So, God was now showing himself to them as their redeemer that I have bought you. I now own you. Before you thought you owned yourself or you were owned by a slave master, but now I own you. And therefore, under my custody, your body is not your own, your spirit is not your own, you are meant to glorify me. That's one. Two, I bought you for myself and I'm a valuable owner. Therefore, you are always valuable to me. I value you and that is why I bought you. And I'm not like human beings who, you know, who, 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 who treat you as animals. No, I place value on you. And again, when you make mistakes in this society, you don't have to go through the rituals and the sacrifice and sleeping with prostitutes to worship a goddess or do something to, to appease me. No, I am your redemption. You have redemption in Christ. So when you turn to me, I cleanse you by the blood of Jesus Christ and you are whole before me again. So now this is God's response to a group of people who found themselves in a society that was anti their faith and that was anti anti the gospel in their life and was anti their their resources so god deployed heaven's resources into their life and say with all the sins with power with wisdom with righteousness sanctification and redemption i will make you stand out in this society and you will nullify rubbish the prevalent thinking system and pattern in this community so and that is the message to you today that god is not going to put you somewhere he's not going to equip you for so and these five things also are yours today listen to this from the beginning again and you will see that god has given you wisdom god has given you power he has given you sanctification he has given you righteousness and he has given you redemption so that you can reveal his glory and make your boast in him and his son jesus is glorified and many come and they they they, 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 they come to, to realize what they can see and value in God. I hope this has blessed you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for educating us and filling our mind with thoughts and food for thought to renew us and make us know that we have enough in you to combat the challenges that our environment poses at us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us as your wisdom to match the wisdom of the world and bring it in on as your, as your righteousness to make us show the world that we have right standing with you without the worship of idols, that you are our sanctification, you have called us out and you have separated us unto yourself. You are you are redemption, you bought us for yourself and you now own us. We cannot do with ourselves what the world is doing with themselves. We obey you and we honor you in our body and you are our power. We walk miracles, signs and wonders in the circumstance we find ourselves and we make the world come to marvel at the finished work of Christ in our life. We get results that ordinary men cannot get. Thank you for 
educating us with this today. We receive this word and we are grounded and established in this truth and in all righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this has blessed you. I encourage you to listen to this again. Take notes and listen again so that those scriptures can stay in your mind and then you ruminate on them. You you let them sink into your spirit and then they form your 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 view to life you can always check this podcast from time to time you will always find material that is going to help you on your journey of faith there will always be something that will bless you so just breeze in week in every week there's something that every new podcast will be released and then sometimes more than one in a week so god bless you see you next time